Have y'all heard of the monster that lives in these woods? It's okay if you don't know, because I'm about to tell you. Hold on to your hats, guys. This one's about to be a doozy. So, in these here woods, not a star in the sky, something was walking through them. We knew it was walking because we kept hearing branches break every time it made a step. They call it the Mogion Monster. It lives both in the Mogion Rim and the White Mountains. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. When looking for topics for this episode, we came across one that seemed too good to be true. Our listener, Chris, who lived in Oregon before moving to the Valley, asked, are there any Sasquatch in the Valley? Or more generally, are there any mythical creatures in the area? Producer Keith Reed takes us out of the valley and into the Mogollon Rim for the answer. Keith, take it away. Whether it was from stories told to you by your parents or from films like The Shape of Water or Harry and the Hendersons, we've all heard about Bigfoot or Sasquatch. It's an ape-like creature that inhabits the woods of North America, said to be between 7 to 15 feet tall, covered in darkish hair. It stands upright, two arms, two legs, and those who have been close enough to them. Say, it smells like rotten eggs and fish. Sure, I've seen many pictures of a Sasquatch. Just like I've seen the famous picture of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, but I've never seen one in person. So, what do we call these animals that have been claimed to exist? Cryptozoology is the study of undiscovered, undescribed by science, animals or potential animals cryptids they call them that includes everything from bigfoot to Loch Ness monster you know anything that might exist you you go out and you look for it is it real and can we find evidence that either supports it or debunks it that's dr douglas kelly the president and founder of the international church of metaphysical humanism he offers a cryptozoology course which is the study of cryptids Dr. Kelly doesn't teach his students about specific cryptids like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. He teaches them how to do the research themselves. What I teach is how to be a cryptozoologist, how to do the investigation, how to collect evidence, the chain of custody, uh, the taxonomy, how to, how to understand taxonomy, and how to come up with a classification if you discover something it there's so much to it you know evidence collection uh, there's so much to that what kind of uh, tools do you need in your toolbox to collect evidence and keep it uh, keep it from being uh, contaminated during my research i realized the most fascinating part about cryptids aren't the creatures themselves but the stories about the creatures but why is that Is it the legend of the cryptids that live in our minds, or the idea that one day science could actually prove that they really do exist? I spoke with Dr. Sarah Birdoff, who researches folklore and mythology at the University of California, Los Angeles. I'm especially interested in monsters, in text, in art, and in the way that people talk about and tell stories about um, and represent creatures that are different from what we normally see in the world. So uh, when we're talking about something like the Magyan monster um, or Bigfoot or any of those kind of cryptid creatures, for me, they are 
just the modern day version of these things that have been in human stories since we started telling stories. Dr. Birdoff said that telling these stories about the unknown are important because it allows us to express our desire to know more than what we do right now, and that these stories represent our search for pieces of the world we haven't experienced yet, the things that are beyond our control. So we tell these stories to each other partly um, as encouragement, partly as kind of motivation or a challenge to look more deeply into the world than um, maybe we think we can or we have so far. These stories are also a warning. They are also the way that cultures communicate to each other the things out there that are frightening or dangerous, things in the wild that human beings might come face to face with or might have to confront or or might have to try and survive. And so these stories package all of those those senses together and transmit them in ways that that mean something to people and that they're they're interesting to hear so people keep telling them people throughout history have always searched for the unknown like christopher columbus marco polo and ferdinand magellan if the history of man's exploration into the unknown are an indicator then telling exotic stories about creatures that have not been proven to exist makes sense as a side note dr birdoff was born in arizona so she has to know what she's talking about There are unknowns or cryptids all over the world. Michigan and Ohio have Bessie, the Lake Erie monster. Georgia has Alti, a sea creature. Even Russia has the Mink, a forest giant with features similar to the Yeti. But what does Arizona have? Arizona has a few mythical creatures of its own. The Jackalope, the Chupacabra, and of course, the Mogollon monster. The Mogollon monster is said to walk upright, similar to Bigfoot and has been sighted in the thickets of the Mogollon Rim. As early as 1903, the Arizona Republican reported an eyewitness's account near the Grand Canyon who claimed to have seen a large creature covered in hair that was standing upright. And in 2017, former Valley 101 columnist Kalei Thompson referenced an account by Don Davis, a cryptozoology investigator, who said in the 1940s that he saw a similar creature. Davis reported that the Mogian monster had large, deep-set, hard-to-see eyes. They seemed expressionless. His face didn't have any hair, but there was hair along the sides of his face. His face head was very boxy. His chest, shoulders, and arms were massive. As Dr. Kelly stated earlier, a cryptid is a creature that is undiscovered and undescribed by science. People have claimed to have seen creatures similar to Bigfoot. Pictures have been taken of the humongous footprints in the soil and strange sounds emanating from the depths of the woods are often reported. Back in the 1970s, Bigfoot researcher Peter Byrne sent hair samples that he believed to be from Bigfoot to the FBI. It took 40 years, but he finally got an answer. Simply put, it was concluded as a result of the examinations that the hairs are of deer family origin. In 2013, Tom Biscardi, the CEO and founder of SearchingForBigfoot.com received a call from Larry Jenkins. Jenkins owns a cabin that is on 30 acres of land outside Seligman. He came across what appeared to be a toenail or fingernail 
and wanted Biscardi to check it out. After making the call, Jenkins told Biscardi a fascinating story. And in that same week that he was up there, he's sleeping at night. And of course, there's dew on the windows and the screen of the windows. And apparently, one of these creatures had come by and put their hand on the screen and window. And when he woke up the next day, he saw this gigantic handprint on his window. And of course, he had taken a bunch of photos of it and what have you. Biscardi sent a team to Seligman to collect the sample, which was then sent to Melba Ketchum, who was the president and director of DNA Diagnostics in Texas. I want to tell you what Melba Ketchum, the scientist, came up with on the nail. It was 90-some-odd percent human, but the other percentage, whether it was 7%, 6%, 5%, 2%, I don't remember, don't recall how much was not human, okay? It was kind of like uh, a billabo, an ape, she was referring it to. Of course, the hominid is something that walked on to, bipedal. Biscardi is referencing to the bonobo, an ape similar to the chimpanzee. These two share 98.8% of human DNA, which makes them our closest living relatives. Side note, Melba Ketchum has worked on several studies, research, and DNA sequencing about the existence of a hominid species, or commonly known as Bigfoot. Her work has been widely criticized by scientists and debunked by others. In 2012, Houston Chronicle reporter Eric Berger criticized Ketchum's work. His insistence forced Ketchum to release the samples that she had of the supposed Bigfoot DNA. An independent geneticist tested those samples, and the results showed that the samples were mostly opossum and other forest animals. Even though the Mogian monster has been sighted in several places all over Arizona, it gets its name from where it's seen the most, the Mogian Rim. It's located about 35 miles east of Payson, in 2014, Tom Biscardi was invited by the leaders of the White Mount Apache tribe to investigate strange activities and sounds on their land, which is close to the Mogollon Rim. There was one account that Biscardi cannot forget. The black and white comes out on, uh, out on the area to the woman's house, and uh, as she's turning the corner, she sees the creature start to bolt and run like hell. She's running after it. And here the creature is running side of the squad car, you know, just keeping up with it. And she she was telling us the whole story on how scared she was. So uh, they asked me if I would come out and they said, be our guest. You know, we have a, a hotel out here and we have our own buffet at the hotel and you and your team are invited to stay. We want to make sure you're in comfort. But during the day, we want you to come out and find out exactly what's going on. Biscardi and his team were introduced to the chief of police and interviewed people in the tribe that had experiences with the monster, including a local shaman. So she was telling about the, the howls 
that was going on and, and uh, some of the dogs and cats being missed and the chickens that were being missed during the night. And this is what these creatures were apparently eating. After meeting with the shaman, Biscardi and his team went on to investigate the sightings that were reported. And because uh, we had followed a trail of one back of this one house up and it goes in traverses up into the mountains where we found the bones of a dog. And after it ate it, it had stacked the bones up, believe it or not. Now, what kind of animal does that? Can't be a cougar, because they'd tear the hell out of it. Can't be a bear. They'd do the same thing. So, uh, and then we'd find these giant prints of these creatures around their area where they were doing this. And that's how we primarily got involved. Interestingly enough, most of the tribal members were more concerned with why this creature was bothering them and less about what it is exactly. Biscardi told the tribe that it was a lack of resources due to snowstorms or wildfires. To be extra cautious, he advised the members of the tribe to lock their doors, bins, and cage their animals at night. Despite the fact that Biscardi's team never came across the Mogion monster during their time with the White Mountain Apache tribe, he did have about eight encounters with the unknown. He told me of his first encounter, which took place in the California hills in 1967. Biscardi was there with Ivan and Peggy Marks training dogs to track cougars and bears. You know, I was new. I was uh, an intern at the time. And she says, stay behind me. And we followed these foot-like tracks, man-like human tracks going in, crossing from one side of the road, going into the other, traveling in. Well, I'll be damned. We were no more than 150 feet in. And uh, Tom goes on to describe a horrible smell that he compares to a combination of rotten eggs and fish. They continue tracking the trail until they come across something very strange. And then as we're going, we see this thing that was hairy bent over. And she says, don't move. And as soon as she said, don't move, this thing starts to arch its back up and turn. And here this thing was up like right like a man, hair all over it, less hair on its face. And it had choke cherry juice all around its mouth. It was eating choke cherries up there on that mountain. Well, my God, I, it's the first time I saw anything, and I'm saying to myself, God, are we going to get killed now? So she says to me, back up slowly. And we did. It never moved. It looked at us to say, who the hell are you? What are you doing here in my territory? And as we backed up, she says, turn around and run like hell, and which we did. <laughs> Whether these stories mean anything to you or not, they have immense value. Over the years, these stories shift, but the message stays the same. Be careful. At their core, they possess a common thread that tethers us all together. For some, the Mogian monster means much more. Here is Dr. Birdoff again. I think that um, even though it's, it's easy to call it, you know, Arizona's version of Bigfoot or, or Arizona's answer to Bigfoot, um, I think that there's something very 
Arizona about it. I think it's it's very special. It's not just another monster. It's our monster, right? It's it's the Mogollon monster. It is an embodiment of that natural environment. It's an embodiment of um, being up on that Mogollon rim and being in that forest and being in that wilderness and that sense of awe and that sense of um, isolation and maybe fear, maybe excitement. If you took all of those feelings and gave them a body, made them into a creature, um, what you'd have is the Mogollon monster. Thank you to both Keith and our listener, Chris, because even though I've lived in Arizona for 28 years, this thought has never crossed my mind, and I am so happy to learn about it. Honestly, it's exciting that Arizona has its very own monster, the Mogollon Monster. Listeners, if you know of any other cryptids or monsters in Arizona, please let us know. We just may investigate. All right, well, that's all for this week. Make sure to follow Valley 101 on Twitter at AZC Podcasts and check out the politics show, The Gaggle, where reporters break down local issues and help you keep up with what matters in Arizona's political news. All right, I'm Kayla White signing off for this week. Take care.